Okay, so um, this week is Pashas Chai Yisara, and of course, it's uh, always, but especially now, our minds and hearts are focused on Eretz Yisrael, especially now, we daven every day for Eretz Yisrael and the soldiers of Rekal Yisrael there. Um, and this week's Pasha is really the first time that we have an acquisition in Eretz Yisrael. That is in the beginning of this Pasha, when um, Avram Avinu acquires Hebron and the Maris Machpela for the burial place of his wife, Sarah. But ultimately, that's going to become the burial place of, of him himself, Avram, and then his son Yitzchak, and Rivka, and Yaakov, and Leah, as we know, the Maris Machpela, which is so central to Yiddishkeit. In fact, according to many Sfarim, the Tfilis that we daven go up through the Maris Machpela, and from there to the Harabayas, to Yerushalayim. Hmm. It's written in many Sfarim. I'm going to ask you a silly question, but I just don't realize that. He acquired... The burial plot. Right. The city of Hebron was already there? Well, yeah. Yeah, it was called Hebron. So when you say he acquired, he acquired the city of Hebron? No, no, no. no. That area oh, in Hebron. Hebron. Okay. That area in Hebron where you had the Maris Samach right. So here we have, so I want to talk about that tonight, the uh, various parts of the acquisition of Eretz Yisrael and some interesting lessons about it, um, you know, time, time allowing. We'll start with a medrash that's in Bereshis Rabbah. It's actually in Parshas Vayishlach, which is still a couple of Parshas ahead of us. And there it talks about another acquisition, and that is when Yaakov acquired an area in Shechem. Right? The Pasuk says, and here I'm reading from what we have in front of you, Vayikan es chalkas hasode asher nota sham ahalo b'meya ksita. This is when Yaakov was coming up after he was already 20 years by his uh, father-in-law, Lavan, and he had married, right, the, uh, Rachel and Leah, and then Bil and Zilpa, and he's coming up with all of the tribes, all the Shvatim, and everyone's there. And on the way back, the Torah says that he acquired for 100 ksita, which was a type of coin, an area by Shechem. And ultimately, this area he gives to his son Yosef for the burial, of where Yosef is going to be buried, and that's still today, Yosef's place. And ultimately that travels down, that becomes uh, given to Kalev, and then later to the Levim, as we'll see. But the matter says, Amar Rabbi Yudan Bar Simon, Rabbi Yudan Bar Simon says, Ze'echad mishlosha mekomos she'ein umos ha'olam yecholin lehones es Yisrael lomer gzulim hein biyadchem. He says, this is one of the three places that the nations of the world cannot argue ownership with the Jewish people. They cannot tell the Jewish people that you stole this from us. What are the three places? Ma'ara Samach Because what are the three places that the Torah records that we actually acquired and paid? And paid? So one is the Ma'ara Samach That's the first one. That's from this week's parsha. The other is the Beis HaMikdash. Right? As we're going to see, David HaMalach, when he acquires the Beis HaMikdash, when he's going to go build the Beis HaMikdash, he acquires the plot of land upon which the Beis HaMikdash is going to stand. And finally, Kvuraso Shel Yosef, the place that Yosef Atzadik is buried. What are the three psukim? The Medrash goes on to say, the cave of Machpelah, as the Pasuk says, again, in this week's parsha, Vayishma Avram al-Efron, Avram listens to Efron, Vayishkol Avram la-Efron, Avram weighs out, counts out to Efron the monies for the Mar Samachpelah. So that was the first acquisition. Beis HaMikdash, Holy Temple, Dechsev and Divrei Yamim, Vayitin David la-Arnon, Bamokom Vigomer. David gave Arnon, interesting, in some psukim is called Arnon, in some, some psukim is called Aravna, different names. But either way, David paid for the plot of the Beis HaMikdash. And finally, Kvurasa Shal Yosef, the place where Yosef was going to be buried, and that is in Parshas Vayishlach, where it says, Vayiken Eschelkas Asada, Yaakov bought the portion of the field, Yaakov, 
Kona Shechem. Yaakov buys the place of Shechem. Right? Ironically, ironically, those three places that the Torah tells us in the oldest document that we have that they were bought are perhaps the most contested. Right? Chavron, Shechem, the old city of Yerushalayim. This is the, the irony of it. But the measure says that these are the three places that the Torah says were acquired. So, let's go to this week's parsha. Um, Avraham Avinu comes and he tells them, right, again, the beginning of Parshas Chayesara, you have the quote, the quote in bold letters. Avram comes to the people of the Bnei Ches, the children of Ches, and he says, Ger v'toshav anochi imachem. Which is an odd expression. I am a ger and a toshav with you. A ger means, usually, um, someone like a foreigner who's just uh, living here. Toshav means I live here. And he says, kever imachem. Give me an area for burial amongst you, that I should be able to bury my dead from before me. So Rashi comes and says, what's the business with Ger v'toshav? Is, am I, is he a visitor? Is he a foreigner? Or is he a resident? So Rashi says, Mshat, Ger eres acheres. I've come from a foreign place, but but I've become a resident. So Ger v'toshav means I came from afar, but I've become a resident. A medrash agada, Rashi says, but there's a medrash. Im tirtzu harenu ger. If you want, treat me like a ger, treat me like a foreigner, and sell it to me. I'll buy it nicely. Im lav, if you're not going to treat me like a foreigner, you're not going to welcome me, el yatoshav, then I'll act like a resident, ve'etlena min hadin. I'll take it anyway. Sha'amr liya kodesh baruchu, lezaracha etena saretz hazos. Hashem promised me this land anyway. So Avraham Avinu is basically telling them, how do you want to do this? <laughs> you want to do this nice or I'll take it? Because if you do it nicely, I'll pay for it, no problem. But if you're not, if you're going to put up resistance, Hashem gave me this land. So this land is really mine anyway. Yes? Well, that's according, according to Abraham. Uh, right. We say a resident? Yeah, Toshav, someone who lives here. So, what, what is it, so you're a resident. What, is it, I don't give, what right does it give you to be a resident to just take the land? Right. Well, yeah. what he's saying is that, he's saying, I reside here. This is my land. So he's saying, being that Hashem I gave... I didn't link to it. It doesn't mean I can just take the <laughs> Right, right. In but, those days you could. <laughs> but Avram didn't just reside there as someone who, you know, uh, bought a house. Hashem said, gave him this land. He said, This land is rightfully yours. You know, that goes back to the first land, uh, Rashi of the Torah. Yeah, they have a lot of land because he had flocks. He had uh, hundreds of people. Yeah, that as well. Yeah, but the dozens of people. That's the point. So there's no one to buy from. He settled. So in this case, he, like when you drive through America and you drive through. You're saying before towns, it, there are cemeteries. Right. That's the first thing that people set up. Right. So there's all these little cemeteries here and there. So what Harvey's saying is that there was no land to be acquired, but his sheep or whatever were grazing on this land. So in other words, by virtue of that, that was his residence. That was it. Okay, maybe, which, maybe which could be, which could be. But Rashi's saying something deeper. Rashi is saying that he's saying this is God-given. No, no, he could say that, but the point was is that it's not like, uh, you know, a small, you know, plot of land. He's there with his dozens, if not hundreds right. of... You know, he sort of established himself there. Employees, you know, and, you know, and they're living there, but now he wants to make an official spot <coughs> for burial. That's his burial. Right. right. Separate. Like they say, you say you drive Pittsburgh, you didn't take 80, 90, or 94, you drive on one of the other roads. Every few miles you pass a cemetery. That's true. That's true. Yeah. You know? That's Amos. That's true. So the point is, Avraham Avinu comes to them and he's like sort of 
one way or the other. This land is, you know, I'll buy it, I'll pay for it, or Hashem promised it to me. We go a few psukim later, Pasuk tests, and Avram is very clear he wants to pay for it. And he wants to pay not just, he wants to pay, he wants to pay the full value. As it says, It says, go to Ephron, I want him to give me that cave of the Machpela, <coughs> that's his, Asher Bekzei Sadeu in the corner of his land, Bekesef Molei Yitnena Li Besochechem. I want to pay for the Kesef Molei. Kesef Molei means, don't give me a break. Full price. Don't give me a bargain, don't give me a break. I want to pay full market value. Lachuz Askever that I should have for my burial. And Rashi says, Bekesef Molei Ashalem Kol Shavya. I want to pay the entire value. And Rashi makes an interesting comparison. V'chein David Amar La'aravna Bekesef Molei. The same story repeated itself hundreds of years later when David HaMelech is going to be buying the area for the Beis HaMikdash. He says, don't just give it to me. I want to pay the full price, the full market value. And what's Rashi referring to? He brings a Pasuk and Givri HaYamim, and I have that in the next paragraph, again in bold letters. Vayomer Arnon el David, Arnon, again, Aravna, Arnon tells David, Kachlacha, he says, take the land. You want the land for your holy temple? Take it. Vayas Adoni HaMelech HaTov Be'enov, let my master, the king, do as, as he sees fit. Remember, David HaMelech is the king. When a king says, comes and says, I, want, I need this land, you don't tell the king, uh, you know, I'll take, uh, you know, give me, give me $100 for it. So Aravna says, take it. He says, the, the, not just that, he says, Reina Sati HaBakar La'olos have given, um, you know, uh, oxen for sacrifices, Vamorgim La'itzim, you could use the different tools that I've had for wood for the Besamekdash, Hachitim La'mincha, my, my uh, grains used for a carbon, Hakol Sati, I give everything to the king. And David says no. Vayomer Hamelach David Larnon Lo Kikano Ekna Bekesef Mali. I don't want you to give me a gift. I want to buy the land for its full value. Kilo Esa Asher Lachol Hashem. I'm not going to take from you that which is yours and break and you know make it a house for Hashem. Vehalos Olachinam and bring carbonos for free. No, I want to pay for it. So Rashi makes this interesting, interesting. Um, similarity, draws a similarity between these two acquisitions in Eretz Yisrael. In both of them, they didn't really have to be paid for. Because Avram Avinu told Ephron, he says, Hashem promised me this land. Hashem is the boss, he said it's mine. Dalai Malach was the king. A king conquers a land, the king does what he wants. And that's, that's the law of the land, that's the law of the world. A king conquers a land, it becomes his. He doesn't have to pay. And yet, both Avram Avinu and David HaMelech say, no, we want to pay for it. We want to actually pay and not, not just get, you know, give you a little money as a token. We want to pay Kesef Mali full market value. And it's interesting, as a side point, a nice uh, vort I saw, the Gemara says in the next paragraph, in Masech the Kedushin, the Gemara talks about you know, the different forms of acquisition that work for land. How do you buy land? Karka. So there's different kinyan, and one of them is Kesef. It's Kesef, the Khalifin, the Shtar, the Chazaka, different forms of acquisition. So the Gemara says, what's the source that, that money works for buying land? So Amar Chizkiya, Amar Kras, Sados, Bekesef, Yiknu. Chizkiya says, well, there's a Pasuk in Yirmiyahu that says you could buy 
fields for Kesef. Why don't they go to the Rexa? Ah, so, so asks Avram <laughs> and asks Tosfos, right? So the question, that the obvious question, and that's in the Tosfos on the Gemara. Tosfos is one of the primary commentaries on the Gemara. So he brings the Gemara, Amar Kra, Sadas Pekaznikna, says, Hadalai Aisi Kra, Dixiv Gabe Ephron. Why did the Gemara, why did the Gemara just bring the Pasuk from Ephron, from our Pasha? So that says, Mishum the Dil Mahani Mili Minachri, Shekal Kinyano Bekesef. So this says, maybe you can't really learn from the story of Ephron that Kesef works for, for, uh, for um, ground, for land, because that was buying from a guy, from someone who's non Jewish. And by non-Jewish people, it's all the all transactions are done with kesef with, with money. When, as far as Jewish people, there's other kinyanim as well. There's chlifin and there's star, and therefore maybe uh, Avram was unique in buying from Ephraim with kesef. That's what Teisvus answers. And others have problem with that answer. But I saw here. I saw a word. He says there's another reason, perhaps, why it couldn't be learned from Ephraim. Because if we learn it from that kin, that acquisition, then in order to acquire anything, you'd have to pay full market value. Oh. And that's not how Kenyan Kesef works. When we do Kenyan Kesef, you have to give Shava Pruta. You, as long as you give anything like a wife, of value. Like a wife. Anything. Any Kenyan Kesef you have to give a basic amount, which is the amount of a Pruta, which is a, the, the lowest basic currency that we have. So, so therefore, oh. this acquisition of Avram couldn't be that the source. That Kesef Right, exactly. So being that by Avram was Kesef Malay, so that could not be the source of Kenyan Kesef, of acquisition of Kesef, because then every time we buy something, the, the, the Kenyan would only work if you'd give the full value. And that's not the halacha. The halacha is as long as you gave even a token amount, you've acquired it, and then, then you owe the rest. That's an interesting... Oh, 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 that's what you mean. If you don't pay full up up front, it's not yours. But in, in, in contrast, no, it would have been like that. It would have been, like, been that. like that. But halachically, that's not the way it is. Luckily, if I buy from you anything and I give you, I can give you a dollar. Yeah. Say now it's mine, and then I owe you the rest. Yeah, right. Then, which is fine, luckily. So but it's if the source of the time, correct, correct, right, and you and you, and you owe the rest of the money. Maybe Rome's teaching us a moral here is that when we deal with something, you know, you have to deal morally with it. You just don't take charge of it. You don't try to cheat. You know, and especially with a nachray. Correct. And, and, yeah. and there's no question that that is a an obvious lesson. Yeah. Avram wanted to pay the full price, and David Malach wanted to pay. And there's a concept of chilul Hashem. You want to pay the full price, and there's a moral lesson there. I agree with that. But I thought the reason that they did that was that there would be no question of future oh that somehow they ripped it off. Exactly. Exactly. Ripped this off. So 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 another answer, and that's where we go on the next line. Why Taket? Why were they so careful? Um, that they didn't want to receive it, even though they were being offered it. They're, you know, take it. Yeah. But the, so there's a couple of points. The first point is, as we're saying here, <coughs> that they wanted to make this 100% ours unequivocally. There shouldn't be any question about it. Nobody should say, well, you know, I didn't fully and give like, it. I didn't mean it. And that we say that Tzadik, well, who's that? Eizahu, Tzadik, Aroes Anoilet. It's a Chacham. A Chacham Aroes Anoilet. Right. That, that they wanted to make sure, when it comes to the Yonim of Kedusha, when it comes to Eretz Yisrael, especially when it comes to Mara Samachpela, comes to Beis Hamikdash, it shouldn't be something that anyone else has some level of claim to. This is the place for Hashem. This is the place for Klal Yisrael. And it was fully... So to say, the, the ownership was 100% fully transferred, and there shouldn't be any question to it. And see how critical it is. Yep. Yeah. So, so sorry you're talking about the Morris of Pale, not really, you're talking about the uh, basic Mikdash. What about Yosef? 
So when it comes to Yosef, there it says also that they paid for it. There's, there there isn't that conversation, that back and forth. It doesn't say that they were offered it. You don't know if they paid full price. Right. So there the, the, the Apostle just says he paid it. He paid it. There it doesn't make that, that, you know, make that point, that distinction. Okay. Now, there's another point, which is when it comes to anything of Kedusha, anything of holiness, any mitzvah, we want to pay for it fully. We want to invest in it fully. When it comes to learning Torah, so let's say I can learn Torah and um, it, it's easy for me because I'm you know, really smart, I can just pick it up quickly. Or I could really invest effort to understand it. When it comes to Kedusha, we want to invest all we got in it. So it's using our faculties, it's using our money. When it comes to mitzvah, we're not trying to get a bargain. It's an interesting concept. The Zara says, when it comes to a mitzvah, you should never bargain. He says, in everything else in life, you can get a better price, a better thing. But when it comes to mitzvah, that, that's what the money is made for. And Avraham Avinu is showing us that. If I'm buying something for the Beis Amikdash, I'm buying something for Maris HaMachel, the place that's going to be the place of Kedusha for Kuala Yisrael, I'm going to give it all I got. I'm going to pay the full market value for it. I'm not going to try to get, uh, get a better deal. You know, we mentioned so in the past... the concept of where you get heat or mitzvah from? Well, heat or mitzvah is to beautify the mitzvah, and that's similar uh-huh. to beautify, but there's another concept... So it's marketing for the love and the mitzvah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the guy shouldn't be ripping you up. That's something else. But the, the Arizal, the great Kabbalist, the Arizal... And the brand extension. You know, <laughs> now you get your Hadassah and Hadassah in bubble things, individually. Right, right, yeah. You don't even get them three to a bag. So... The, the Arizal's foremost Talmud was Rabbi Chaim Vital. And he's the one who writes all those terms. And he writes that he said, I saw something by my Rabbi the Arizal. He said, when it came to a mitzvah, he never bargained. He said, everything else, he was, he was, he was, he was frugal. He wasn't looking, you know, he can get a better deal, but not a mitzvah. Came to a mitzvah, he didn't bargain. And the same thing is when it comes to expending energy. You know, I can, I can go to shul, but I can go to a place that's, that's a little closer. Why should I use extra energy? When it comes to mitzvah, we're not looking to save energy, we're not looking to save money, we're not looking to save our effort, because this is the best place to invest our mind, our effort, our money, and that's what Avraham Avinu is showing us. He says, when it comes to mitzvahs, kasef mali, don't give me hair, I want to pay for it all, I want to get the schus. It's a schus for me to pay full price for the mitzvah, and that's what he did. Right? Um, you know, talking about hitter mitzvah, someone once asked me, I'm sorry, he says, um, you know, I can get a mezuzah, now, how much how much does it cost? I says, well, you can get one for fifty dollars, you can get one for eighty, you can get one for one hundred and twenty. So, and then it goes up. So he says, well, is the fifty dollar one kosher? This is at the time. I said, I think so. So he said, then, well, then, why would I buy one for hundred dollars if a fifty dollar one is kosher? So what's the answer? The answer is, well, what kind of car do you drive? Right? right. You can get one that drives. That's a lot less, but you you want to get a good one. Right, so if, if it's meaningful to you, if it's important, so you're not looking to get the best bargain and buy the one that will get me where I gotta go, you put in the effort. Avram wanted to pay top dollar for a mitzvah. Yes. Well, you know, it, it, when they made the Mishkan in the desert, everyone participated, right? okay? Even though the princes wanted to take care of whatever the costs were, everybody had to participate. Right. But when it came to uh, building the temple, Melch, didn't he bring everything together? He paid for all the supplies because he wasn't allowed to build. Okay. Okay. But why wasn't there a need or more in in in, in, in for a more communal participation? Even you know uh, that they that the community participates. So how did it, how did it happen? I'm sorry, but 
I had it connected to the Avram uh, thing. But every time that you had a special spot, you're saying someone bought it, that, you know, Avram bought Marissa Machpelah, David bought the, uh, you know, Mikdash. Uh, no one else was able to, you know, uh, participate in the mitzvah. Well, well, in the case of Avram Avinu, he was the only one there. Yeah. There, there, there was no question. The question is about David Amalach. Uh, it's a good question. I don't, I don't have an answer off the top of my but head. I mean, in between Avram and David, you know, you had the Mishkan. Right. So the, you already knew that God wanted everybody to participate. Right. It's an interesting Why question. Why not make, uh, you know, uh, right. David accept, uh, you know, uh, partners? Right. You know, at least to say that this portion built this. But he allegedly got the supplies and left it up to Shlomo to build. Right. Right. And it's a good question. I don't know the answer. The, the thing that comes to mind is we're talking about a melech. The king represents all of Klal Yisrael. Um, and he has the wealth of Klal Yisrael and he's appointed by Klal Yisrael. When a king acts, he's not really acting on his own. Perhaps he's acting as a, um, the, the emissary or the expression of Klal Yisrael. But that's just the first thought and something well, to think not about. Not too many of those kings that were there. They usually uh, benefited themselves. Well, not David like Most kings... <laughs> Now, double them up. Okay, let's, we have time for one more point here. Okay, a few more minutes. So, let's just talk about Hebron. Because of the three places that were acquired in Yisrael, the first place was Hebron. And obviously, there's a meaning to that, that that was the first of the special places of Hebron. What's special about Hebron? So, there's an interesting thing. Hebron was one of the Ari Miklat, one of the cities of refuge, right? Later, much later, not at that point. Much later, there's going to be six cities of refuge in Yisrael. And one of them is Hebron, says so clearly in the in Yeshua. The Gemara says in a few places, Hebron is an Ir Miklat. In fact, I mentioned last week the great Gaon of Ragich, the Ragichavar Gaon, right? Rabbi Yosef Rosen, the Rav of Dvinsk. So he has a whole piece on this week's Parsha where he says that um, Avram says, I want to have a place in the corner of the field, for the burial spot. <coughs> and they respond and says, Nah, you're a Nasi Elokim Betochenu, you're a prince of Hashem, and take it. Something like that. And he says, like, what's going on? What was the depth of this conversation? And he always has this whole halachic thing worked out. He says, because Avram knew with prophecy, because Avram was a prophet, that this was going to be one of the Ari Mikla. The Ir Mikla, the halacha is, you can't bury someone inside an Ir Mikla. It's a halacha. There's no... So Avram said, if I'm going to bury her inside here, then they're going to have to remove her remains to take it out of the Ir Mikla. So that's why I wanted Bikzei Sadehu. Interesting. They came back and said, but Nisiyalokimata, you're like a prince of Hashem. The halacha is a king or a prince is not removed. Because their, their burial stays, you never remove them from their place. So there was this halachic uh, conversation oh, going really? on between them. This is the Ragashavar's way. Between a Goya, though, between a Goya and Avram. Right, the, the whole story. But I guess the Ragashavar's idea was that every word in Torah has a lot more depth in it, whether they understood that or knew that at the time, but they were hinting to this idea. Be that as it may. The, the cities of refuge, who lived in the cities of refuge? The Levim, right? The Levim, who didn't have their own place, lived there. And that's actually connected to the city of refuge because a person who was sinful had to go there for atonement. Where do you send the sinful person to live in the holiest places with the holiest people? Because that's how he'll come to his atonement, right? Now, the person who sinned, by killing, right? The, the cities of refuge is someone who killed accidentally. Killing, which is the worst sin. And it's a sin against Hashem. And it's a sin against man, right? It's against Hashem to kill a human being. It's against man because they kill another human being. So they were sent to be with the Levim because the Levim were servants of Hashem and servants of Klal Yisrael. Because they represented bringing holiness and togetherness. 
they were closest to Hashem and they brought together the Jewish people. So the person who was sinful, especially sin by killing, was sent to be with the Levine. So the cities of refuge were places of connection to Hashem. A person came to be closer to Hashem. It was the Levim who were the servants of Hashem that were there. But of all the cities of refuge, which one represents connection the most? Hebron. The word Hebron means connection. L'chaber, to connect. And that's why Hebron represents a place of unity, of connection, us connecting to Hashem and Kalal Yisrael connecting together. And especially our Avos are there, our Imos are there, our ancestors, our patriarchs, our matriarchs are both in Hebron, right? And this becomes, again, the first place that's ours in Eretz Yisrael. This is a place that's Mechaber that connects us with Hashem. I mentioned at the beginning of the class, it's written in Sfarim, our tefillos go through Hebron up to Hashem, and it's mechaber us together, because what connects people more than parents? Right? When the parents are around, the brothers and sisters come to their parents' home. Many times it's when the parents aren't there anymore, and the, the family sort of drifts apart. But as long as we remember our parents, we hold together. And therefore Hebron, that first place in Eretz Yisrael, that telling place of Eretz Yisrael, represents that chibur, that connection of us with Hashem, us amongst each other, which together brings about the bracha of Hashem to us, as we know, as we've talked about this in the past, that it's our achdus, our holding together, that makes us a vessel for Hashem's bracha. May we all see that personally in ourselves and in our Yisrael, especially nowadays and always, to see Hashem's bracha, and very soon all together to our Yisrael again. Do you think, uh, our friend Mishiach. is listening this year, we should say, we're full is he on, right. do you think? He's not on, but oh, uh, not? we're full of for Gershon, yeah. Oh, it's Hashem. Amen. That's